146. A few weeks ago, I was in North Carolina along the shoreline on vacation for about a week with family. I had locked my phone in a drawer, only checked it once or twice per day for most of the week. Checked for any missed calls, any updates for the local Buffalo Bills as week one of the NFL season started to draw near. And I mostly read throughout the week. I committed to a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. It was an incredibly moving book about our subconscious about our inability to recognize bad habits at first and our power to change them. This book, compounded by a beachside, warm sand environment, utopia, really helped provide my mind some clarity. I journaled as I try to do every day and without my phone, uh, I was shown just how cluttered our lives can be. And much like our bad habits, just how blind we can be to the clutter. It was an epiphany that I've only felt in like a dark movie theater, sucking in inspiration from the silver screen. That's where I have most of my epiphanies, <laughs> in moments of clarity and moments of motivation and inspiration as in a theater. I remember coming to this clarity on vacation with all of these epiphanies and habits and a cluttered brain that one thing became abundantly clear to myself. I need to maintain this decluttered lifestyle as it has more of a role in my health than I have ever previously realized. Welcome to 146, a podcast observing things that seem insignificant but are not. On this episode, we're looking at our subconscious and the life it creates for us and the striking power and effects that it has on our conscious living. The first step, as author Charles Duhigg put it, is recognizing the bad habit. So many habits of ours simply go unnoticed, which makes the simple step of finding and recognizing our habits to be quite the challenge. I'm going to ask you, yes, you, the listener, right now, to stop. Stop what you're doing, unless you're driving or doing something where other lives would be at risk, of course. Stop. And take inventory. Ideally, you're at home right now listening to this. If I were to stop speaking... Take these headphones off, put the microphone down, knock on your front door right now and come in, assuming you'd let me in. <laughs> what would I see? I know it sounds funny, like I'm making a joke, and I guess I am a little, but let's seriously consider this for a second. Pause in the middle of your room, whatever you're doing, and just sort of look around. How clean is the top of your end tables or dresser? How organized are your shelves? When was the last time you vacuumed your carpets or cleaned the floors? What's the ratio of your clothes on the floor to your clothes in the laundry basket? <laughs> uh, what about the kitchen? Are all of your dishes cleaned? Is the stovetop cleaned? Are the counters sprayed and wiped down? Odds are, unless you're not human or your in-laws suddenly announced that they were coming over, one of these rooms, one of these things that I mentioned is a mess. And that's okay. That's expected. It's normal. That's the whole reason I'm bringing this up. One of mine are cluttered as we speak. 
My kitchen is not cleaned, nor is it camera ready, and frankly, neither am I. But this is not a podcast about chores. This is about our environment. So take in your environment, the messy environments, the ones that you have been prolonging any tidying up for. There's a reason that we put it off. There's a reason that we don't keep things abundantly clean at all times. We allow our environments to match the environments in our heads. If our minds are erratic and particularly depressed or anxious, chances are our environments are reflecting that in some way. Make no mistake, I am not arguing that our environments should just be clean at all times. They can't be and they won't be. But all of this clutter actually contributes to depression just as much as it reflects it. And this is backed by evidence. In the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin back in November of 2009, researchers found that women are more likely to experience fatigue if their homes were cluttered. Later on, they can describe how one gets the sense of control when they clean their environment and declutter and that this can lead to calming effects for the brain. All of these studies, all of this research, it's all observable evidence that clutter has negative effects on our brains. Turns out that something caused by anxiety also perpetuates it. The argument for how physical clutter is a manifestation of the clutter inside our brains also extends to other areas of life, even a more subtle and secret area of our lives. How about another personal quiz, just for you and I? I'll take it too, don't worry. <laughs> Do you budget? Do you have a weekly budget for your money? Do you have a monthly budget or even a quarterly budget? Do you cringe with crippling fear about finances? Do you swipe your credit card like it's someone else's money? It is, by the way. It's not yours. <laughs> the, the, the truth is that all of this clutter bleeds over into our financial life as well. The company Career Builder looked into the state of America's money affairs and found that 78% of workers in the United States live paycheck to paycheck just to make ends meet. 78%. And that nearly three out of four workers say that they're in debt more than half of whom think that they always will be. They just, it will now, it won't ever change. That's just the way that it is. And not to mention that this study was done in 2017, still three years before a fateful global pandemic would come along and completely traumatize our economy. Fear not, listener. This is not a financial podcast, but all of this is to further illustrate that the majority of Americans do not have the most organized or confident grasp on their money. In other words, our finances are cluttered too. What's the solution for this? No matter the financial expert, what is found time and time again is that a simple budget helps to declutter and slow our spending. And while there are some reports that suggesting budgeting is up for the, f and while there are some reports that suggest that budgeting is up since the pandemic first began, a survey from Intuit, you know them actually, they make TurboTax, 
They reported in just December of 2020, nine months into COVID, that 65% of Americans still have no idea what they had spent the previous month. The less we spend, the less cluttered our bank statements, the less stressed we are with money, and ultimately, the less cluttered our brains will feel. Let's go under the hood for a minute. Not of my car, fortunately, for everyone involved here. I mean, in our brains. Let's take a look at the emotional clutter at the root of all of this. And to make it all the more interesting, let's look at my clutter. When I was on vacation, I made a concerted effort to leave my phone tucked away in a bedside drawer. I would only check it once in the morning and once in the afternoon. I had deleted all social media from my phone. I even deleted YouTube and other apps that would usually consume my attention. And I felt withdrawal of all of this throughout the week. And I had actually forced myself to spend a little bit more time on my phone at a certain point, just so that I would be less cranky and hoping it would ease mood swings, which it ended up doing and it's fine and nobody's vacation was ruined, thankfully but I decluttered my brain. I didn't plan to do this experiment. It just sort of happened naturally. But I I felt so much more in tune with myself than I had had uh, maybe ever before. It it improved not just my mood, but my overall attitude and my approach to my day and and week. And even the weeks following, I, I now have a different approach to the day than I did before just so that I'll feel more focused and prepared to take on any task that comes my way. I felt motivated. And best of all, I felt content. I felt happy. I felt at peace. I was at a local theater recently and I was able to see The Woman King starring Viola Davis and some other incredible actresses. It's an incredible movie. If you have a chance to see it, I absolutely loved it. It dawned on me long before this wonderful movie started as we were in the theater that this whole clutter argument is actually best imagined and visualized as this, going to see a movie. We go in, we hold out our tickets, the usher scans the ticket, you get all the concessions that you can't afford and and you can't fit in your stomach. It's all kind of hectic. But then finally you take your seat in the theater, the regular pre-shows are on the screen, and then just as the trailers are about to start, the lights start to dim, everyone in the theater kind of takes the cue and quickly begins to quiet down and looks to the screen. There, they see an ad from the theater asking everyone to turn off their cell phones, put them away, and remain quiet for the duration of the movie. The lights go even lower, and the show begins. Do you see it? Do you see what the movies are doing to us? Because it's not an accident. This is by design. They are removing any distractions or stimulations from the theater so that the movie has your full attention. Much like casinos don't have clocks to let you know what time it is or how long you're spending in there, the movies ask you to turn your cell phone off 
They ask that nobody in the theater talks during the movie. They even lower the lights so that this big giant screen floats in the darkness and demands your eyes attention for the next two or three hours. If people follow all of this guidance, this is a moment of decluttering. It removes distractions and opens our minds to take in the movie stars and the storylines that we've paid to see. Ultimately, I argue that this is not without effort and it is the same as what decluttering our brains elsewhere in our day can do for us. You know, we purchased movie tickets, we've driven to the theater, we've given the theater even more money for overpriced food, we, we take our seats, we turn our cell phones off if we're good people. <laughs> and we don't talk for two hours if we're good people. And, and, and we declutter our environment. If we make this effort at the theater, we have the ability to do this at home. We have this ability to do this outside of the theater and elsewhere in our lives. We have the ability to turn our phone off for a while. We have the ability to lower noise and even not talk if we don't want to. We can declutter our environment all without paying an arm and a leg at the concession stand. And, and, if, and if we declutter our environment, we declutter our mind. This combats anxiety and it combats depression. And this leads to personal peace. 146 fans, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please be sure to leave a rating and a review. This helps the show and this community grow even more, and it's always nice to hear from you. Sources for the research used in this episode are linked in the show notes. Be sure to look for next week's episode. Same place, same time. Thanks for listening. 146. 